Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by co-founding pastor John Ferguson as we continue the series, What Do Christians Really Believe? Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Thanksgiving is coming in a couple of weeks. And for many of us, it will mean another round of navigating time with family. The holiday season can be tricky, can't it? I remember one of the first times I went to my wife's family for a Thanksgiving dinner. I'd been there for other celebrations, and I mean, the food was out of this world. Uh, This side of her family is mostly Mexican, so when we got together, we'd enjoy some of the very best tamales, rice and beans, enchiladas. And so I couldn't wait to join them for Thanksgiving and see how they spiced up a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. You know, turkey, mashed potatoes and gravy, cornbread dressing, sweet potato casserole, swimming in melted marshmallows and brown sugar. Anybody hungry? (laughs) But when we arrived, much to my surprise and dismay, there was no sweet potato casserole. Uh, There was no cornbread dressing, no mashed potatoes and gravy. There wasn't even turkey. No turkey. They had ham. I was beside myself. You can't do Thanksgiving without turkey. (laughs) Well, they did have pumpkin pie. So when we got to dessert, it was finally starting to feel more like Thanksgiving. But as we gather with our family in the weeks to come, each of us will experience the holidays and family in a different way. For some of us, it will be a reminder of loss, and we'll look for those moments of joy. Others of us will experience holidays filled with hope and laughter. And some might run into missed expectations, maybe even no turkey. Uh, But that's part of the beauty and complexity of family. You know, one of the prominent metaphors for the church in Scripture is family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And if you haven't figured it out yet, this family can also be quirky, sometimes even difficult. You know, this season, the last 18 to 24 months, maybe more than any other, has been tough. As a church, we've been through unprecedented times. Uh, We went months without gathering in person. We've experienced staff transitions, people moving away. We've dealt with disagreements and conflict over a variety of issues. I mean, this has been a quirky and hard season. Our family has been through a lot. But today, I want to talk about why this family called the church is so important and why it's so worth fighting for. Uh, The church plays a critically important role in the story we've been telling, the true story of King Jesus and his kingdom community. So to start, let me make sure you understand what I mean when I even say church. You see, the church is not a building. The church is not a service. The church is a people. Uh, The church is a people, a kingdom community. In the true story of King Jesus and his kingdom community, the kingdom community is the church. But why do we need the church? And why is it so important? Well, I'd answer that question with three simple words about how God works with, among, and through. With, among, and through. Make sense? Everybody got it? Okay, let's close in prayer. I'm kidding. I have a few more thoughts on this. The first reason the church is so important has to do with this first word, with. With. God has always chosen to be present with a people. We see this in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Garden of Eden, before the fall, God is present with Adam and Eve. When God sets his plan of restoration in motion by choosing a people, the people of Israel, he chooses to be present with them in the tabernacle. Later, his presence is with them in the temple. 
Then Jesus comes to earth to be present with his people. He's called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then after Jesus dies, come back to life and returns to the Father, the church becomes the new people of God, the kingdom community where God is present with us through the Holy Spirit. And then finally, we look forward to a time when we will dwell with God for all eternity in a renewed creation. God wants to be present with his people. And as we've talked about in this series, God's desire has always been to have a kingdom community. This is a predominant theme throughout Scripture. Uh, Scottish minister George F. McLeod says, the Bible is all about community, from the Garden of Eden to the city at the end. It's all about it. From the very beginning to the very end, God's desire was and is to be in community, like a family with us. I mean, think of Jesus. When he walked among us, he did so with a community of his people. He appointed 12 close followers so that they might be what? Right, with him. Author and missiologist David Fitch puts it this way. Uh, the fundamental answer to the why church question is, presence is the way God works. Therefore, for God to work the way he chooses to work requires a people for God to be present to and to make space for God to be made known in the world. The first reason the church is so important is that God has always chosen to be present with a community of people. You know, it makes me think of my relationship with my own kids. Um, they both live in New York right now. I don't know, about 800 miles away. I mean, thank goodness for technology. I can text them, call them, or FaceTime them at a, mo at a moment's notice. But, you know, there's nothing like actually being with them. I mean, I love to be with them face-to-face -face, in their presence. And in the same way, our Father God wants to be with his children, with his people, us, the church. The second reason the church is so important has to do with the word among. God works among us when we gather as his people. The Apostle Paul speaks to us about the church using some vivid language. And I want you to listen to this and understand that this is who we are. He says, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Did you notice Paul uses three metaphors, citizens, household, building, to make his point. We are to be built up together. You see, much of the transformation God wants to do in your life happens when we are together and God chooses to work among us. I'm a part of a men's group that meets on Thursday mornings. And we're all at different places in our spiritual journey. And it's interesting, each of us are going through various challenges as we you know, navigate life and figure out what it looks like to keep Jesus on the throne and not something or someone else. Uh, one of the guys recently retired and moved to Colorado. And before the move, he had leadership responsibilities that would keep any of us awake at night. And now that he's retired, he's kind of lost and trying to figure out what's next. Another guy runs in political circles, and he's trying to learn what it looks like to be a Christ follower first and keep his loyalties politically a distant second or third or fourth. 
Another guy is going through a really hard season relationally. And, and he was telling me the other day how this group has made a world of difference as he walks through this tough season. And he said to me, he said, you know, John, there's something that happens when we're together that keeps me headed in the right direction. You see, that something is the way God works among us in his kingdom community. As we follow King Jesus together, we experience God working among us. The notion that you can follow King Jesus apart from his kingdom community, the church, is simply false. And let's be honest. I mean, for us to truly become the kingdom community God desires, it's going to require a significant investment from each of us. Dr. Jeffrey Hall, a communications professor at the University of Kansas, recently did some research about how time invested impacts the closeness of a friendship. In general, Hall found that it took 40 to 60 hours to form a casual friendship, but between 160 to 200 hours to really become good friends. Yeah, time spent together was a key predictor of friendship closeness. But the type of activity also made a difference. Time spent at work or in class together actually predicted lower closeness, but time spent hanging out without an agenda predicted higher closeness. And the kind of talk while together was also important. Small talk about things like pets, sports, or movies predicted lower closeness over time. But what Hall called striving talk about what was actually happening in people's lives led to greater closeness. I'd say this study tells us what we already know deep down, that if we don't give these relationships time and if we don't go deep, we will miss out on the redemptive work God wants to do among us. Jesus said, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. See, there's something fundamentally different about how Jesus is present or among us when we're together as opposed to when we're alone. And that's why throughout this series, we've stressed that following Jesus involves more than just a personal decision. It also involves a commitment to God's kingdom community. And part of that commitment is coming together for worship, teaching, and communion like Christians have for centuries. It's a regular time where we can expect Jesus to be present among us. And I don't know about you, but I need that every week, at least every week. A third reason why the church is so important is this. God works through us when we live as his kingdom community. God works through us when we live as his kingdom community. Now, take a look at what it looked like when the church first formed. And as I read this, take note of how you see God at work through his people. Maybe even write it down. If you have access to the chat, put it in the chat room or put it on a post-it note somewhere. What most impresses you here? What makes you say, I want more of that? Uh, this is from Acts 2. Luke, the historian, writes this. Those who accepted his message, this is Peter's message he just taught, were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet in the temple courts. We think every week is a lot. They met every day. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an amazing community. 
I mean, God was at work through them in so many incredible ways. Huge numbers of people were finding their way back to God, getting baptized, 3,000 in one day. And they met together every day publicly in the temple courts and in their homes where they devoted themselves to learning, growing, and praying together. Uh, this kingdom community was in awe of the wonders and miracles that were happening among them. They shared everything they had with each other. Some even sold stuff to make sure that there were no needy people among them. They ate together and praised God for what he was doing among them. And God's work through them was so attractive, so appealing that they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And every day people were choosing to follow Jesus and become a part of this irresistible community. I mean, this was a church community even outsiders couldn't help but like. Last month, our Lincoln Park location hosted a free fall fest in a local park for families of our community. And, and there was a bouncy house, face painting, games, crafts, and, and of course, food and drink for everyone. Dozens of families who prior to that day knew nothing about community gathered at the park to enjoy a fun-filled Saturday morning. And the volunteers from Community Christian Church could not have been more kind, warm, friendly. And it may be a meager comparison to what we read about from this first kingdom of community, but you know what? It was clear that God was at work through us on that morning. And I, and I wonder, maybe it was just a glimpse of what it looks like to enjoy the favor of all the people. I mean, that morning people noticed, asked questions, and wanted to know who was this church that was bringing so much joy to their neighborhood? You see, I, I love how Luke describes this community in verse 46. He writes that they were doing what they were doing with Glad and sincere hearts. Glad and sincere hearts. There, there was a joy and authenticity about what they were doing together that was contagious. Uh, you know, as I was working on this talk, I, I read where one Scottish pastor uh, used to say that it would help the church more than anything else if Christians would do a Bonnie thing. I wish I had a Scottish accent, but I won't try that. And so I wondered, you know, what is a Bonnie thing? Anyone know? If you know what a Bonnie thing is, put it in the chat if you have access to it. But, you know, my good friend Google helped me discover that in Scotland, if you want to refer to something winsome and beautiful, you might say it is a Bonnie thing. You see, in the early church, there was a winsomeness in God's people. They were doing a Bonnie thing. Let's be honest, folks. I mean, the church has some PR work to do. And I'm not speaking of community specifically, but the church in general. I'm not sure most people consider us a Bonnie thing. And yet we are. And we certainly can be when we let God work through us as only he can. You see, the church plays a critically important role in the story we've been telling of King Jesus and his kingdom community. It's why we want you to find your home here at Community. And we believe there are three connections that help us live out this idea of Jesus being with us, among us, and working through us. We want you to develop deep connections with God, with each other, and with the world. Deep connections with God, with each other, and with the world. So, so what does that look like? Uh, how do we connect deeply with God? Well, we do that when we spend time with him on our own through prayer and scripture reading. And we do that together when we worship together on Sundays or when we celebrate online or in 3C communities. You see, God is with us in these places we connect with the church, each other, when we gather in small groups or serve on ministry teams. I mean, small groups really are where the real stuff of community happens. It's where we commit the 160 to 200 hours to grow deep relationships. It's where we pray for each other, encourage one another, and hold each other accountable to grow in our faith. Ministry teams are where we learn to get outside of ourselves and use the gifts God has given us to serve one another in the church. 
It's in these places that God works among us in ways he simply doesn't on our own. And then finally, we connect with the world when we live out what we call the blessed practices. It's an acrostic that that helps us follow the example of Jesus who blessed the people and places he encountered every single day. We begin with prayer. We listen, uh, we eat together, we serve in loving and practical ways, and we tell our story of how King Jesus has made a difference in our lives. We can also connect with the world when we join one of our community cares teams or support one of our global partners, and when we give back to God financially. All of these are ways that God works through us to change the world. And community is all about deepening these three connections with God, with the church, and with the world. This is who we believe God wants us to be and what we believe God wants us to do. So while we recognize that everyone is on a journey, we will always challenge you to find your way back to God and take next steps to deepen these three connections. I wanna wrap up with a story about two guys, uh, Gary and Randy. Uh, They worked together every day at a furniture delivery company. Uh, Gary would lift one end of the couch and Randy the other. Uh, People said they looked alike, but they chalked it up to coincidence. Uh, Randy had been researching his family history and found out he was adopted. He learned that both of his parents had died, but that they had another son born June 10th, 1974. So then on another furniture delivery run, when a customer once again commented on how much Randy looked like Gary, Randy started nonchalantly asking Gary some personal questions like, when is your birthday? As soon as he said his birthday, I knew, Randy said, Gary is my brother. They'd grown up in neighboring towns and attended rival schools, only a year apart in age, and never knew about each other. It was a shock to both of them. Phenomenal, said Gary. I still can't wrap my head around it. A coworker, Greg Berry, said, there's nothing like family, especially when you don't have one. Now they've got it. But that's not all. Uh, After their story appeared in a local paper, a teary-eyed woman showed up at the brother's workplace clutching a birth certificate. Uh, She was their half-sister, born five or six years before the two men to the same mother. After all these years, she said in an interview, I finally found my brothers. And you know, our prayer is that you will have a similar experience here at Community. That as we give ourselves to this church and take our place in God's kingdom community, we too will discover that people we thought were strangers are actually our brothers and sisters. Remember, God's presence is with us and he wants to work among us so that he can make a difference through us. Welcome to church. Welcome to the family.